You are listening to the Forfeit Fatherhood Podcast. And we're having conversations with dope dads covering the four pillars of fatherhood. We call it the Fit Fatherhood Formula. Faith, family, finance, and fitness. That's right. These dads are setting the pace in business and fatherhood. This show isn't only about the outside success. We're getting down to who you are. Gentlemen, it's time to get fit. And and, 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 and now, let's get into the show. Let's get into the show. Let's get into the show. All right, welcome back to another episode of the Forfeit Fatherhood Podcast. Um, I have a special guest with me, the the Hilo, what is it, Heloc or Helos? I always say Helo C, but like, if I'm going to say it, like, and, and it's a title, I got to just say Heloc, right? Heloc. The Heloc hustler himself, Jamal yes, J.F. Whitehead, the F is for finisher. <laughs> my, man, my man does everything, uh, real estate investor, uh, flipper, reseller, he's in stocks and options, affiliate marketing. Um yeah, he can literally, literally teach you how to find off-market properties. Um, he, he has a, a course called REI Hacks that I'm sure we'll talk about. Um, a man is is an awesome dude. Welcome me with with wide open arms when I first uh, got into the Twitterverse. Uh, where, where I got into that side of the Twitterverse, I should say. I was just messing around with it before. Um, but I totally appreciate you for doing that, brother. And I'm, I'm excited to have you on the show. Um, Thank you. Hey, man, thank you. I appreciate it. Yeah, is, is there anything I missed? Like I said, I know you're a man in many hats, a, a renaissance man, so to speak. Is there anything else you got going on that I missed out on? No, you hit on everything mostly. I mean, I, I do have three kids, so I know we don't that, have a father on the podcast. So. 100%. He's a father, right? <laughs> a father and a husband. Uh, he wouldn't be on the podcast if he didn't, if he didn't check off that father box. Um, so you got three kids, right? All boys, right? Three boys, yeah. Yeah. How how old are your boys? I've got a one-year-old. He'll be two in September. Uh, then I got a five-year-old. He'll actually be six in October. And then my eight-year-old will be nine in December. So wow. Going fast. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I remember uh when I first got on Twitter, you was taking taking the little one in the stroller. Exactly. <laughs> And uh, listening to podcasts or books on tape or something like that, like I remember them days. That wasn't that long ago. It seemed like time flies, man. It's about to be two. Now I'm chasing behind him. I wish I could get him a stroller now. <laughs> How is that with with uh with three with three boys? Because I only got the two girls. So that's funny. I have a friend. I actually got a couple of friends. A couple of friends of mine have like five kids. I'll say. Okay. Like one, six of them. So they'd always be joking when I had the two. They'd always be saying, when you and you know, when you and wife having a third one, I'd say, man, we're good with two boys. And they would all say, when you have your third plus, it's not really, I mean, it's always gonna be a difference, but it's not a bigger difference because your older kids can start to help out with your younger kids. Gotcha. So my eight-year-old certainly helps out a lot with our, you know, one turn two-year-old. And now he even helps, you know, with, with stuff for his middle, his uh, middle, you know, the middle son as well. So it's tough, but uh, I mean it's worth it. I think if you, if you if you decide to have kids, I hope people realize the amount of time, effort, and work it takes. Um, and if you do that, I mean it's worth it once you get into it. I don't know if I would have any more. I think <laughs> you're not trying to go for six too. <laughs> My wife wanted to have a girl, man. That's the only reason we tried. 
Yeah. We had boys she wanted to try for a girl. I think when we had the third boy, she gave up. Yeah, yeah, yeah. She, <laughs> she grossly outnumbered now. <laughs> for me, it's it's the other way around, right? So it's it's me and my wife, obviously, my two daughters, and then my, my wife's sister is living with us as well. So she's only 22, so she's basically a kid. Uh, yeah. Yeah. And so it's it's just me and the dog trying to trying to make it. We the only guys in the crib, and <laughs> we got to just go to the corner and find a spot sometimes, like get away from them. <laughs> yeah, I was just like, how's that, man? It is it is interesting. I mean, my my younger ones, my sorry, my younger ones, my daughters are cool. They're eight and six, so it's not like uh okay, they're not too crazy, right? Like they're just doing little kid stuff. Um, you know, having my sister back is cool because she's like kind of that she wanna hang with us and she'll play with the girls, but she she's old enough to do stuff with us, but she also don't want to do nothing with us because we're old, right? And so <laughs> So it's kind of, a, that's an interesting dynamic to have. It's like, she's too old for them and she's too young for us. And so she's right in the middle. Um, so it keeps things exciting and it's always something going on. Like they just, uh, they just went to like an arts and crafts fair or something that the city was having. So this is the first time it's been quiet in the house all day. Like we, we had, I gotta take that back. We had tennis practice this morning. So when we were going to tennis, it was probably quiet, but I wasn't here to enjoy it. And then we came back and it's been nonstop running around, playing, TV was on, radio was on, Alexa play this, like it's been crazy in here all day. <laughs> That's how it is when you have kids. You just gotta be ready for that. Yeah, yeah. It's fun though, like it's fun. It keeps you young, right? Like, I, I mean, I couldn't imagine being in here just just me and my wife looking yeah. at each other all day. Uh, my, wife and I say that, my wife and I say that a lot to each other. Like, what would we be doing if we didn't have our kids? Because even though my oldest is eight, you know, we've been together for going on 16 years, 17 years. Okay. Um, but, you know, even so, it, it, it just seems like they've been around forever. And, you know, we can't imagine what we do without them, even, you know, even through the difficult time. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Same thing here, man. We'll be talking about like what, like, we used to have free time before the kids, but then we used to talk about how busy we were. And now I'm like, we think about it like, what what did we used to do? Like I got off work at 2.30, cause I was working to school. She was working to school. We got out of work at 2.30, three o'clock at the latest. Yeah. And what did we do all day? Like we used to go to happy, like what, are, like, what, what were we doing, man? We were just wasting time. Like I was just, I was just about to say that, wasting time. We could have been making things happen. We should be millionaires by now, all that free time we had, man. But I was taking naps and doing all kinds of stuff. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. Right? Netflix wasn't around, but we was watching just random TV, like just stupid stuff. Um, yep. But yeah, having having the kids definitely, definitely fills up your time. And so you have to, you definitely have to be intentional about everything that you do. Um, especially with them, right? Being intentional with your kids and the time that you spend with them, but then everything else, right? Like with, with a guy like you that has several different businesses or several streams of income, how are you, how are you juggling? Like, or manage, not juggling, how are you managing all that? So that's a, that's a good point. So that, you know, having kids kind of helps you to prioritize. It kind of helps you with your planning, um, your scheduling, like all of that, because, you know, if, if you want to be present with your kids, and to also be able to go work and do things on your own, like you have to manage your time accordingly. 
So for me, I, I'm not gonna front. When I had my first, when we had our first son, it was really, it was really difficult because being a first-time parent, I thought it was gonna be a lot easier than it actually turned out to be. So I remember I was working at my corporate job when we first had our first son. And I thought I would just be able to like work from home and, and watch my son, I, I guess on the side. I don't know what it was. About. <laughs> uh, but I just remember like being in meetings, he would start crying, he would start screaming. You know, he needed to be changed, like all kinds of things going on just out of my control, just natural things with a, a toddler, uh, if it really. And, uh, you know, it just really, at that moment, I was like, all right, I, I really, like you said, you gotta be intentional with your time. Like, when you lay out your schedule for the day, you know, you, you don't really have any time or room for error. You, know, you don't have any time to, 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 to blow it doing things that aren't gonna be significant than what you're trying to accomplish. So it definitely makes it difficult, but I, I'd say for me, at least it helped in a sense because it really made me focus and really made me pay more attention to those kind of things. And, you know, I, I spend a lot of time with my kids just due to my wife's career. Um, so, you know, there are times where she's working or she has a private practice, you know, like she has her own business. It's just like myself. So there are times like it's, you know, where we're both spending time with them um, where, you know, you, you got to use your time wisely. I'd say that's the best thing. And if, if you don't, it's going to really be frustrating and you really won't be able to get what you need done. done. Yeah, yeah. That's that's something that that's that's really important to note because I think as as uh as dudes sometimes we just like to kind of just go like right just kind of make it happen like we just gonna figure it out in the moment and we sometimes we pride ourselves on our ability to to just like move on the fly mm -hmm. but with kids man and with a family and, and just being responsible like you do definitely have to have some time management skills right some, some oh, at least cool. some at least some idea of time management, like, because there's always going to be something that goes on with a kid that's completely unexpected, like, like them getting sick. <laughs> yeah, like they just throw up randomly or like, you know what I mean, like when you got a baby, they just they just tear the diaper in half somehow, like, and it just throws off the whole plan you had. But but because you have a plan or at least you have an idea of what your routine is everything else can kind of fall in line behind it. And you're not just kind of scrambling for things. And I think that's really important. Um, and it has been for me, I know for sure. And it sounds like for you, uh, you know, having having a plan, having a schedule, or at least having some idea time-wise. Yeah. I mean, I think for kids though, it's, it's healthy to have like structure and a plan and a routine as well. I know for my boys, I mean, they're, I mean, they're just like me and my brother were when we were little. So, and I, I mean, I, I think all boys are like that. They're just inquisitive, they're curious. Yeah. They don't sit still. They're always looking to get into things and try things out. So just having a routine, even for them, it helps, um, you know, for, for us to be able to get things done. I know, you know, like for my reselling and stuff, like a lot of times I'll get my kids to help me with that. Um, but there are times where I need to kind of lock in and get things taken care of while they may be around the house. So, you know, they have little school and reading activities that, that I'll have them sit down and do while I'm doing that. And they just kind of know it's, it's kind of like work time for, for daddy and themselves, in a sense. Um, and even that, just having some time carved out for them to focus on something and not be running around going crazy or making a bunch of noise so I can in turn focus. I mean, that comes into, that, that helps out significantly. 
Yeah, yeah, I feel that, man. I feel that. I think when we first when we first had like the shutdowns and all that stuff in the pandemic, we went from like being on this really tight. We were we were like our schedules were crazy. I was still working. My wife was still working. Uh, my daughters obviously had school. They were both in soccer and softball at the same time. So we're like two practices a day if it wasn't a game day. Um, it was it was crazy, right? It was crazy around here, but the schedule was like you, everything had to be perfect because we got you, you, this. If you mess up, like we're gonna miss something, right? Mm-hmm. And then and then boom, all of a sudden the complete the completely the schedule is gone. Like there's no work, there's no school, there's no sports, and we're just in the house. And like after a week, they're going crazy. Like, you know what I mean? Like I'm going crazy, they're going crazy. We're trying to figure out what the heck to do, and then we're like, okay, let's put them on a schedule just like school, like Mm -hmm. let's set some times for this and obviously give them some free time to play, right? Because it's hard to be like, you got to do just school all day and their their toys are like in the same room, like right next to them. That's a difficult, that's a difficult task, right? Uh, It's hard to train a dog to sit still when you put food next to them, uh, let alone a kid, right? And so um, once we did that though, it was like, they they loved it. They were like, okay, what time? They're like down now they're checking the time. Like, what's looking forward to it? Yeah, what time is it? Oh man, let me finish this. Finish this up so I can go. Like they're all into it. And yeah. I'm like, dang, I, I'm I'm thinking the whole time they just want freedom, but re- in reality, the time and the time management part of it gave them freedom because during the time that they're playing, it was just play. Like they didn't have to worry about some other thing happening. Like when they're doing whatever task they had, whether it be reading or math or school or whatever, they were completely devoted to that one thing. And that translates hopefully through their whole life, right? They're present in the moment, being present and mindful in what they do uh, can translate to really anything. Look, I know you're excited to get back to the podcast, but I just really quickly want to bring up to you guys, uh, Potential Performance is having that huge sale on the, post pandemic parent performance program. Uh, it was normally 199, um, got all the way down to 47 bucks. What you get is, is four weeks, uh, 28 day challenge, um, four Monday challenges, uh, four workouts a week, um, a complete meal plan for all seven days a week for all 28 days. Uh, there's a Facebook group, there's weekly coaching calls, um, there's tons and tons of stuff loaded up in this thing. I mean, it's a killer deal. So, uh, if you are watching this on YouTube, look down in, below, there'll be a link for it. If you're listening to the podcast, it'll be somewhere in the show notes. If you're not sure where to go, go ahead. If you're following me on Instagram at you can call me coach, the link is in the bio, uh, and there's more information there for you. So, uh, again, potential performance, post pandemic parent performance program, no longer 197, only 47 bucks. Click the link wherever you're at and uh, join on up. Yeah. I'm not gonna lie though, when we were home for that whole pandemic, you know, I had all three of my kids in the house. And, uh, you know, my wife and I were both working from home. But that was, <laughs> that, was a, that was a difficult period just because of, I guess my, my older son was doing like virtual school. Uh-huh. But my, my my middle son wasn't, you know, he he started kindergarten now. So right. he really didn't have any like formal thing going on. And then my youngest, you know, we had taken him out of daycare when everything first went down, when everything closed down. So that was just difficult. It, even scheduling and planning as best as I could 
it was still right. time. You know, there's there's certain times, especially when you have a, that was just a lesson I had to learn. There's certain times, especially when you have, I'd say until your child turns about one or maybe even two, depending on how quickly they develop and like will actually start halfway listening to you. Um, but you you have to start you have to start working with them early, um, and you have to get to a point where you just accept the fact that you might not get your stuff accomplished. Um, yeah. because you know they're going to be the priority so for me that was initially uh i don't know they say like you have come to jesus moments like i really had to sit down and face that and realize like look as aspirational and as all the entrepreneurial as, as you want to be and all the stuff you have going on like your child comes first so yeah. you know and, and you hear all that stuff from like your parents especially when you first have your, your first child it's um saying like how time flies and you need to enjoy these moments and you know you only get it once and most parents we were I don't, know, I don't say we were weird but when we had our first child we didn't want to put them in daycare or anything like that so you know we were watching them ourselves mm-hmm. which I don't know man that's a, that's a, one of the hardest jobs out there I'm sure we'll talk about that later on but you just have to uh You just have to accept that, man. Like, like that. For, for guys, I know a lot of guys are a breadwinner. You know, they're always wheeling and dealing. Um, but when we had our first child, like, I, I, I left my job to stay home. Um, actually, I did that with the second. My wife did it with the first, and I did it with the second. Um, and I remember when I did that, a bunch of my buddies were like, man, are you crazy? Like, the woman's supposed to be going to gas supposed to work. And I'm like, yo, what difference? <laughs> right. Yeah. somebody got to be home. Yeah. yeah. But a lot of guys, man, I... Like I said, that's one of the, uh, it's a rewarding job for you personally to get that experience. Mm-hmm. But I mean, you don't get paid. You're not getting thanked for it. I mean, your wife might thank you for it, but if she did it for, in my case, my wife watched. That was another thing I had to recognize. Like a lot of fathers for whatever reason don't, aren't like the primary. And I don't even say, you don't even necessarily have to be the primary uh, like caregiver for your, your child. So I don't want to say caregiver, but a lot of guys might not be the, the first in line when it comes to taking care of a baby, especially. Right. Um, and I've got buddies from different cultures that, you know, it's, it's the way that, that, that they live, like, it's never them to be the problem, you know, to be the primary, like, the first in line to take care of the child. You know, right. they go make the money and, and their wife takes care of the kids. So, in a certain extent, I think a lot of people just in the country just kind of adopt that mindset. Like, the guy goes out and works and, and the woman stays home so when we had our first child you know that's what we did and I remember coming home and my wife would be you know just worn out just exhausted and mm-hmm. it literally I used to tell her it feel like a wrestling match like I would walk in the house and she would just like tag me and she would just disappear <laughs> and I'd be sitting there with my, my baby I'm like yo I just came from work they like I was chilling all day like I just came from work um so you know I, I would do it I didn't have a problem with it because that was really my only time Spend with you know because I'd be at work all day, but right when we flip flopped, I just remember having to like sit down with my wife one time and just apologize because I was like the the way I view what you did all day, you know, sitting at home. I, I just always like you're at home with a baby, like right. I, you know, when they take a nap, you take a nap. Like I don't really get how it's so difficult until I was in that boat myself. So even that experience just gave me a new appreciation of, of what it takes. Um, but again, it just 
reminded me, like when we had the second one, I kind of went into it knowing like, you know, you ain't gonna be able to do stocks and options all day because you got Right, right, right. Yeah, um, you, you'll, you'll miss it. You'll miss your entry and your yeah. exit. <laughs> and that was a difficult thing, you know, like when the whole pandemic hit, that's when I really started learning more about options in particular. Right. Um, and that was a frustrating thing with me because I'm learning it, somewhat getting good at it, you know, and all these groups, you know, we were talking about it, doing different things, and I'm like, I go change a diaper and I come back and I miss it. I'm like, yo, what? <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. But I, I think you, I think you mentioned something earlier that that makes even more sense. There is like you just have to accept it. Like this is, you have to, to prioritize it, right? Like it would have been, it would have been dope to get into whatever option that would, whatever you know, whatever stock move you were going to make at that time. But like the time that you got to spend with the kid is more valuable, For right? Sure. Like there. There, there's a there's a dollar amount on that that option, and there's not necessarily a dollar amount on changing that diaper, but the value, right? The value is still more, right? And so it, that that's a that's a mind thing, though, right? Like you have to kind of figure out, like, and that's been tough. That's been tough for me because me and my wife really never worked the same schedule. Like I worked, I worked nights, she worked days. So we're like literally we're just crossing each other all day. So I'm with the kids in the daytime. And then I'm gone at night. And then it got to a point where I was working days and nights. So I was not seeing them at all. Mm -hmm. um, and so like that, I, I totally get the, the tagging in and out and like, like, you know, you've been at home all day. Like, why are you so tired? Like, and then I had to do it the same thing. And I was like, yo, this, yo, these kids are insane. Like what's wrong with them? This is what you've been doing. With. And then I, at some point, like at the beginning, I kind of resented I resented her, but I was like, this is your fault that they're crazy <laughs> like this. Because you've been allowing this for the last year and you let them get crazy like this. Now I'm the bad guy because I'm telling them they can't do stuff and they're crying and telling my mommy would and mommy said, I'm like, man, this is all your fault. <laughs> you should you should have snapped them in line so I could have just came. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But again, that was something I had to get over as well and just like, Yo, this is this is what it is. Let's let's make it happen. And and uh, like I said, the the time the time value is huge, no matter it what is. it is you're doing with the kid, right? That's one thing I I will say. Having our third child, my wife and I talk about it all the time because you know we were at, at points in time we were contemplating just being done with, with two, right? But in the midst, you know, having the first child is kind of like you're learning everything on the go on the fly. Um, and the second one. You know, being that we were having two at that point, it was like, okay, you take one, I'll take the other one. So we were still both occupied. But having the third one, I feel like we both have commented like we're both making sure and we feel like we're more in these moments and like not letting distractions kind of play a part. Because, you know, now with the third child, we kind of know like, you know, unless that. And that's my freaking nature. So happens we have a fourth one. Uh, right. You know, so we just try to kind of take the time and really appreciate all the steps. Whereas with the first one and with the second one, I, you know, we were learning and everything was so much on the go. Right. I can't say that we always made it a point to do that. So, you know, we are very appreciative now that we get a point to do that. And as kids get older, I mean, it's, it's really only, I'm not gonna say it's not difficult as they get older because it's a different set of issues. Like my dad is quick to point out to me, like these issues you're dealing with now are nothing. Like my dad, everything <laughs> says, 
the things your kids doing now can't uh, land them in jail. So you don't need to worry. Right. <laughs> need to worry yeah. about this, stuff. this is nothing. So, uh, you know, it'll be a different set of stuff as they get older. But the like, if you instill and you know start putting in structure and setting the foundation, like you said early, hopefully that stuff will carry on as they get older. Right. Um, but yeah, man, it's. It's definitely a, a a blessing to be able to watch these kids grow, man. Yeah, I agree. I agree. Like I like I said, I've said several times before, and I'll, I'll say it again for people to listen. Fatherhood is like I felt like my purpose, you know. Like I I've tried and done a bunch of different things career wise, and I wanted to do this and wanted to do that, and have you know bounced around a little bit. Not really bounced around, but like have dabbled in all of these ideas, and then that you know heard my wife was pregnant and I was like, yo, <laughs> I'm gonna be a dad. Like whatever it takes, whatever I need to do to make sure that I can be a father and be present and be, a, I'm, I'm cool. Like, yeah, I, I, like I said, I passed up on, on some really good opportunities. Had I not had kids, you know, I probably would have still been involved with. Um, but I don't even think about him anymore. Like every once in a while I get like the, like, cause I, I was, I was a strength coach with the Mets and I was, yeah, you were big time. I was, yeah, I was fast tracked, right? Because I, I went from I went from like rookie ball to to double A, and then I was supposed to, I was slated to go to triple A. The 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 year we found out that uh, that she was pregnant, and uh -huh. so and, and if and looking back on it, the guy that was in triple A ended up quitting, right? Mm -hmm. So so I was gonna be in triple A, and then the guy who was in the big league club got fired. The guy who replaced me in triple A ended up taking the big league job. <laughs> so technically, I would have been a big league guy. Um, but like only time I ever really think about it is if the Mets are on TV and I see one of the guys that I had, you know, one of the guys that was, you know, I was working with, or they send like a yearly, like Christmas card package or something, you know what I mean? They send me something. I'm like, man, I don't even like this one. Like I'll take it, but I don't really like this wine. Man, stop sending me this stuff. Like I'm over it. Like, let it go. Like, I appreciate it though. That's really cool. Like that you guys still care 10 years later, but like, get it out of here, man. Um, I feel like you know it, it. We made I made the best decision that I, I could have possibly made at the time. Like it's just my my family is the most important thing in the world to me, and and I'm I'm super appreciative for all of the crazy moments and all of the good ones as well. All right. Sure. All right. So so we we kind of touched on it a little bit, right? We talked a little bit about stocks and options, and and uh, I know I know you. We kind of got into i don't know if we got into it at the same time or like we were kind of just kind of learning at the same time but but um you want to talk a little bit about your your experience with, with options are you more into it now that that things are a little more settled or, or are you still kind of in it in and out when you when you see something i get i mean I, i'm always watching um, right i was investing in stocks for the longest time so okay okay it's, it's just the options that i really got more involved in um, okay. Time, like what you're talking about, um, but that's one of those things where I kind of like I do, you know, like we're in the wealth squad, so I, I follow it and I'm I'm active as I can be. Right. But my youngest just recently started uh, his his daycare. I guess two weeks ago now. Okay. So within these past two weeks, I've definitely been a lot more active. You know that I actually have the time to follow along with stuff. Right. Um, but from a, you know, I'm, because of my stock positions, like I'm always following the market. Right, right. That's one thing. 
that you know I'm grateful for for you know finding the money side of Twitter because I I've been investing since my first job I don't say like 2003 maybe okay 2004 like you know I've been buying stocks since then but I was more on that and this worked out for me because some stocks I bought I forgot about and it actually went up crazily but yeah. You know, I, I just would buy stuff and just forget about it. I wasn't looking at it every day. Like, I wasn't following the market. I, I didn't know any fundamentals, any, any technicals. Like, I I would just buy stuff I heard about and just let it sit. Um, so just following it and being more active with it, paying attention to it. Right. Like, you know, I think I opened, like, two or three new brokerage accounts, you know, like, since we got on the side. You know, some of them just two trade options. Right, right, right. Um, so, I mean, that's been a blessing in itself, man. Just, I, you know, I've heard Chris, you know, Chris, I've heard him say uh, a lot of times people feel like stocks are something either you have to like have study to know them or you have to have a whole lot of money to invest in them. And right. having a whole lot of money it, it isn't false. Like that certainly helps, but oh, it, it just helped me to realign my, my mindset essentially because- yeah. I was like more like, well, I need to just wait till I amass a lump sum of money and then jump in the market. Um, and, and, you know, then try to make these plays. But, you know, I, I started with just, you know, modest amounts and it's grown over time, just being smart and following, you know, the, the moves of different stocks. So that's been great, man. And I seeing all the people who've, who've taken advantage of it is really, yeah, just, yeah. It's really motivating, man. It's crazy. Yeah, I mean, you, yeah. If you're on Twitter, I mean, you see people talking about that all day and everything. It's crazy. Right, 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 right. Yeah, yeah. And, and for for like for listeners who don't really know, like, okay, so stocks and like stocks and options and and all that. So you can invest in the stock market. Like you could buy shares of companies um, and just you know hold it for the long term. And it, there's going to be like you know, stocks always go only go up. Right? That's not true, but <laughs> but. But traditionally, the market is gaining somewhere between seven and ten percent a year, and that's the whole market, not individual stocks. But mm-hmm. so you put some money in, and like you say, you forget it. Like I, we were doing the same thing. Me and my wife were doing the same thing. You put some money in, and it forgot like we had stuff, you know. And then all of a sudden, like, oh man, so and so company is is the, okay. Let's go check and see what. Uh, and that's kind of always how my my thought process was on the stock market. Like you just buy it and hold it. Um, and you never do anything with it, you know, because it, people, people in my community, my family, like nobody was talking about that, you know, yeah, the only, thing, the only, I, one the stocks. Yeah. only thing I, yeah, only thing I've ever heard about was mutual funds. Like my dad used to tell me, put some money in a mutual fund, but then give me no guidance on how to do it, what to do. Like, you know what I mean? He was just put some money in a mutual fund. So I was like, <laughs> okay, I went to the bank, threw some money in a mutual fund. Right. Uh, but then you, you you would hear people talk about like buy Apple or buy Google or buy buy these different things. And I'm like, okay, uh, uh, all right, fine. I'll buy a, I'll buy a share. I'll, I'll, buy <laughs> I'll buy a share, you know. And then just I didn't even know how to check it at that point. It was just put money in and, and walk away from it. Um, yeah. And then and then I kind of got introduced to options over the, the course of the pandemic, and it was like. So with stocks, you you do get a good return on your investment if you're invested in the right stock but it happens over a longer period of time, right? So it's a, it's a long-term play. With yeah. options, it's like, you could put your money in today and invest a smaller portion and watch that grow exponentially in like two weeks, right? Sure. 
Whereas the stock might only go up one or $2. Like if I bought a share and it goes up $2, yay, I made $2, right? Mm -hmm. But if I bought an option and, and it goes up $2, it could be like $2,000. Like, it, you know mm -hmm. what I mean? Like the, 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 there's, there's more risk, there's more reward, and it's a faster turnover on your money, sure. either up or down, right? With, with investing in the actual common, it might be, you know, 10 years before you realize that type of gain. Mm -hmm. um, and so that's what's, that's what's really appealing to people uh, with, 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 I think anyway, um, over this last like year or so where people really, really got into it. Yeah. I think that's the, that's the appeal, right? Is everybody wants fast money, mm -hmm. right? Fast money also like the fast, as fast as it comes, it can go. Right. So there's, there's that, that part of it. Um, but I think that's where it really caught fire is people had time to sit and pay attention to the market, yep. right? Like before you didn't, have, like you really didn't have time or access like that, mm -hmm. right? Like it, it took, it took more to get a brokerage account. It cost you $7 to make a trade. Like it was, you know what I mean? Like you couldn't just get in and out for free and like, you know, be, be in the stock market. And like, literally right now, everybody's in the stock market. You can invest on, on cash app. Like you, yeah. like there's no excuse for you not to be invested in the stock market at this point, because you can, you can go to the grocery store and instead of them giving you change, you can be like, yeah, let me get, let me get like a fractional share of Apple instead. <laughs> like, it's just ridiculous how this is working at this point. Um, yeah. But, but that wasn't always the case. You know, you had to, like I, I remember I couldn't even get fractional shares at one point. It was like you had this, I had to make sure that I had enough. It was like I, I literally like people talk about don't buy Nike, buy Nike stock. It was like I really like them shoes, but the stock, dang, yeah, I'm not gonna be able to get them shoes if I buy the stock. I'm getting the shoes. Yeah, I'm getting the <laughs> shoes. Like <laughs> at this point, it's different. But back then it was like, yo, I'm not buying that. Get out of here. Get yeah. these these uh these fresh ones because the other ones got creased. And I'm gonna be cool. Um, but yeah, so the stock market is 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 a fun place, it's a fun world. I, you know what I really noticed, honestly? I mean, obviously the money is good and, and that's dope in being able to get it, but like the uh the communities, right? Sure. The communities that surround the the options is really, really dope. Um yeah. And like, because I'm paying attention to these companies, I know more about what's going on in the world. Yeah. Like, you know what I'm saying? Like you're, you're, turn, you're like, I would, I would, I wasn't watching the news. Like I have really no reason to watch it. I would definitely wasn't on CNBC or, <laughs> you know what I mean? I wasn't, I wasn't doing any of that stuff, but now I'm like into it. Like I, I you know, I, you, my, my wife came home and I'm watching, uh, I'm watching like the ticker. <laughs> At the bottom, say, like, what are you watching? What are you doing? Who are you? Like, I just want to see what's happening. Like, I don't even have, I don't care what they're talking about. I just want to see the tickers at the bottom roll by, like, see something moving, you know? Um, so I think that's been really, it's been really exciting over the last year. And I think, I think it's been, it's going to be really good for the next generation. Like, because, like I said, my parents, they wasn't, in, they weren't in the stock market. Uh, until recently, like, and I've had to pull them into it. Um, okay. And so they didn't have that to teach me. But now that I have it, I can teach and I'm already teaching my kids, my kids have custodial accounts, they have, they have a stockpile, which they can go on and pick stuff themselves. And, and it, it comes out of comes out of my account, 
but I tell them it's their account. They don't know. Yeah. Um, but they they buy stuff that they like. Like, you know, we went to Target the other day and my daughter's like, can I, can I own Target? And I was like, yes. <laughs> Heck yeah, let's go buy some Target. And Roblox, Roblox came out. They was like, can I spend, can I spend my birthday money on Roblox? And I'm thinking she's talking about the game. She wanted to buy the stock. I'm like, yeah. Like this is- this That's is, impressive that they come and ask you to buy it. I'm like, this is what we want to do, right? This is what we want to do. So that's been really, really cool for me. Um, the Wealth Squad, like I haven't been in the Wealth Squad really long, which is funny because I was, I was obviously around when it started. Mm -hmm. I have bought, uh, I bought a membership, but I bought it for my niece because she was starting a, um, a cosmetic line. So I'm like, oh, get in mm -hmm. there. Like you'll learn a bunch of stuff. People can teach you stuff. And, and so I was just on the outside, like looking in kind of thing. Mm -hmm. And then in the last two months i think i finally was like you know what i'm gonna get in there on my own and see what's going on because i was in uh i was in uh charles oglesby's group as well oh, okay. yeah. and, and so like i was like yeah, i don't need to be in another like but the wealth squad is like a thousand things happening at the same time it's it's almost overwhelming how many things are happening at the same time like it yeah. the notifications are bananas it's when you first get in, you got to get your phone right with the notifications. Your yeah, phone. <laughs> the battery is shot. <laughs> yeah, but but it is is super important. Like literally anything that that you want to attempt to do in business mm -hmm. um, is there, right? Is mm -hmm. there? Um, speaking of that, so I, this week they actually had you on, uh, to do, do a, a real estate talk. And you got to talk about some of the things that you're doing, um, and talk about, like I mentioned earlier, REI hacks and, and kind of give us, give us a, a rundown of, of what that is and, and what you're doing real estate wise as well. Yeah. So from the investor side of uh, real estate, I have the REI hacks course that uh, teaches people how to find off market properties and so forth. So, it's, it's funny you mentioned how you just got well squad because I've probably been in a couple months now, um, but it, it's the same thing. Like I was around, obviously, from when you first started it. I didn't join it initially, but I knew several people who were in there. And I forget one of my friends, I say friend, but it's, you know, someone I met mm -hmm. on, on the Twitter side, but she was like, you really need to get in there for the real estate side. Because um, she she's like, I, I really think you can network and, you know, I really think you would like that, those channels specifically. Mm -hmm. um, and I already knew I wanted to tune into the stock and options channel. So once I got in there, it's like you said, man, like every, whether it's, and I don't even go into the flipping channels um, just because I'm in so many other groups that pertain to that. But it's like you said, like every channel is so, uh, so supportive and so helpful and what have you. Right, um, right. So anyway, so through going in there and, and uh, just networking and helping people as best I can in the group. Um, Ace had ended up reaching out, asking if I mind, if I would mind getting on and talk about real estate and investing and, you know, the course and all that kind of stuff. So it was actually kind of good timing because I just had um, one of my mentees that just closed on a big deal out in Ohio that we pretty much did um, as a JV uh, through my mentorship group. So, you know, like I told you, I, I help people to find the properties. But in addition to that, a lot of people, especially when they're first getting started out, you know, they'll take the course and they can go through the guides and they can read everything. But, you know, they need a little more. Some people need more one-on-one. More -on -one. 
I don't want to say like holding hand type of guidance, but some people need a little more guidance. Some people need someone to run questions by. Um, and some people just need, some people do better. And I, I myself, like you kind of, I do better visually. So if, if you show me how to do it one time and I can make notes or what have you and actually watch you, then I'll be good to do it, you know, going forward kind of thing. So within the mentorship group, I, I offer whatever kind of level is required by the individual me members. Um, so this one in particular just hit the ground rolling, man, and she found a great owner that owns properties all over the country. And we were able to uh, close on that deal last week. It was 18 properties that she ended up putting in the package. Yeah, man, that was crazy. So I told her, I was like, I don't know, for your first time, I mean, that's that's kind of epic right there. I told her she should be extremely proud of that. Yeah. But, you know, I've been doing that. Uh, I've been doing, like, the investment stuff since 2008. So it's, you know, and this wholesale stuff has become real popular as of late. And I think I mentioned it on the call the other day. Like, I was involved in, like, wholesale type of deals before they even called it formally wholesale. So way back then, I would just find properties and, give the information to my buddies and if they closed on it, they would just pay me for it. Um, and that's, you know, that's real something that people are, are doing now with wholesale. So, you know, I have the REI Hacks course, I have the mentorship group where it actually teaches you how to find a property. But then I offer like free guides or funding that talks about, um, you know, unique or creative ways to invest in real estate without having money yourself. It's kind of yeah. like going back to stocks, right? Like a lot of people think unless you have tons of money i can't be a real estate investor and it's like that's actually furthest from the truth um but even if it comes to raising capital there are a lot of things that you can do um whether you go get like hard money or like the heloc you know for me i talk about the helocs a lot i, I talk to you about your you know possibly getting the heloc on your end so right right you can get private money you know we talk about house hacking there's a bunch of stuff i cover and it's just ways that people might not initially think of um to get, you know, get started investing. And then I have a, a free wholesale guide too, which kind of just touches on the, uh, the, you know, the basics of what wholesaling is and how to do it, how to get started. Um, but they all naturally tie together, uh, you know, because it's all centered around real estate investing. Gotcha, gotcha. So, yeah, go so, so if, if I'm a, <laughs> if I'm a, a, uh, if I'm trying to get into real estate investing, right? Like I'm brand new, um, don't have a lot of, you know, I ain't got a lot of money, right? Like you've mentioned, most people are like, yo, I can't get into real estate because I don't have a lot of money. Like what, what, what would you suggest as, as a first, should I, should I wholesale and build up some capital and then get into investing and in, into like flips, buy and hold? Like what, what, what would be your, your uh, roadmap? Uh, and I'm assuming it's based on what what you want to do at, at the end of it, but like, what would you suggest for somebody who's new, who's like, hey, AJ, like, I, I want to get into real estate, man. What what do you what do you suggest? So a lot of people start with wholesale because it doesn't require capital, at least on on your behalf, um, and then they take the money from that and start doing it, you know, on their own. But I always tell people, you really first have to decide what it is you want to do. Like, there's some strategies. For me, when I go out about doing deals, you know, I'll run them by every, you know, if it's a fix and flip, if it's a buy and hold, if, if neither of those work and I have to wholesale it, um, I don't have as much experience in them, but I'm, I'm learning more about like doing Airbnbs and stuff because that's become a more popular, like short-term kind of rental option. Mm -hmm. um, but it really comes down to what you want to do. Like if, 
if you want to be like, first off, do you want to be a landlord? Like if, if you don't want to ever deal with tenants, then buy and hold probably won't be a strategy that you want to utilize much. If you don't ever want to do fix and flips, like if you don't really want to get to construction and remodeling and renovations, then you probably don't want to do fix and flips. But not doing either or doesn't prevent you from investing in real estate at all. So, you know, I kind of tell people, my first question is always going to be, if, if, do you own a property yourself first? Um, and I kind of mentioned that on the call the other day. Like when I first got started, you know, I was trying to get get uh, started buying like an investment property just to rent out. And all these guys <clears throat> that I, 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 the company I worked at, I had a bunch of older guys who were, you know, involved in real estate. So I took them out to lunch and I asked them all, how can I, you know, what's the best way for me to get started in real estate? And they all asked me if I own the property yet. And I told them no. And they were like, well, you need to buy a property first, live there, and then rent it out. And that'll become the first investment property. So, you know, I kind of listened. And I was like, all right, what, what, if, what other option can I have? I obviously want to go out and get to this first. And they all, like, insisted. And they all told me the same thing. Like, you need to buy one, rent it out. I mean, buy one, live there first, understand how the things work as far as, like, minor renovations for a property. And just, you know, learn a little bit about, houses and properties and what it takes to fix them and what it costs to fix them and the different repairs and so forth so that when you rent it out, you won't be new and oblivious to it all. Um, and I did that and I think for me that that set me up for success because everything they told me pretty much came true. You know, like I did learn a lot about properties. I did learn a lot about remodeling and renovation costs and how much things cost and all that kind of stuff, how, how long things take um, so when I turned around and rented the property out, you know, and none of that stuff was new to me and, th and nothing caught me off guard. Um, so I don't know, you know, I, I say to say like, you really first just have to decide what, what type of strategy and what it is you want. And from there, you can kind of, you know, go about it. A lot of people, <clears throat> you know, it also depends where you live at. Like if you live in an area where you can get, you know, multifamily properties, for instance, and you know, you're able to get a multifamily and then, like I said, the house hacking situation where you rent out some of the units. You know, if you're in a market that is, you know, like I live in Northern Virginia and multifamilies, like you'll be lucky if you find one for under a million dollars because it is real close to it. So right off top, like the price of entry to do that just eliminates a, a lot of investors. If you're not a big time player, you're not going to get it. Um, but if you're in an area that's not, you know, necessarily like that, where you can get those and live in one and rent it out, you know, like that might be the best option to, to at least start with. And, you know, when you're buying a property yourself to start with, you're not really coming out of pocket unless, you know, aside from you getting like a FHA loan or provincial loan, or if you're in the military, a VA loan. Um, so other than your mortgage payment, it's not like, you know, you have to come up with this big outlet of money up front outside of maybe your down payment. Okay. Okay. All right. So, so, uh, so I'm looking right. Maybe not, let me say not me, but let's say someone is looking for, uh, or looking at, uh, investment properties in, in Alabama, right? Like Birmingham, Alabama. So you talked about like multifamily, multifamily, uh, in Northern Virginia, you're looking at a million plus, right? Uh, how many, how many units are we talking about with that? For those probably three to four. Okay. So Birmingham, Alabama, right? 
I'm looking, someone's looking the other day and, and, and there's a 60 unit property for 1.5. Like it, you can get 20 units for like anywhere between, depending on where you're at in town, 350 and 500. Now I'm like, yo, I'm like Birmingham, Alabama is, is like, that's gotta be, so obviously not I'm not moving to Birmingham, right? So FHA is, is out is out of the question, right? Um, I I couldn't I, I I couldn't talk my family into that if I, even if I wanted to. Um, they would have to have they would have to like build Disneyland in Birmingham. Uh, That's a big difference. Uh, That's a big difference. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. So, um, but like in that in that in that situation. Um, I know you mentioned hard money and private lending. How does that work? Like, how does hard money and private lending work? Like, I have an idea, but like, what's the what's the difference between why? Like, why wouldn't somebody just go to the bank and get a loan? Yeah. So, a lot of cases, sometimes you know, when you're looking to get, uh, if you're doing like a fix and flip, for instance, um, there can be situations, especially now with with the pandemic. Like, I know a lot of banks have increased their requirements in terms okay. of like. The, the percentages like they, they're willing to loan you and how much you have to put down. So a lot of them have raised the amounts that you have to put down, which makes sense. You know, they don't, they don't want to be left upside down there either. But in most cases, people go to hard money um, when they need cash quick. So a bank, if you try to go get a loan from them through underwriting and everything, you know, it could take you up to a month. Um, and if they're busy, it could take you even longer. Yeah, the property's uh, gone by then. Yeah, and whereas hard money, you could typically get it in as early as a couple of days, like back seven days, just depending on what hard money lender you're working with. Um, but in most cases, hard money is just to get cash quick so you can close on the property and move on. And in most situations when people utilize hard money, their strategy typically is to, whatever their strategy is, they typically end up buy and hold because they're going to do whatever they have to do to sell it and pay the hard money back. Okay. And then okay. Going so a lot of times, you know, like if you need three hundred thousand to buy a property. You want to close it seven days. You go get the hard money loan for three hundred thousand now. You fix it up, sell it for five hundred. You know, you pay the three hundred back plus point. Like they're gonna charge you interest on it, um, but you'll pay them back, and then you'll keep the difference, and then you'll just do it again. Okay. But then in that case, you're never actually coming out of pocket with, you know, your capital per se. Um, and in those cases, you know, they'll loan you the money. They might ask you for a percentage down, like maybe 10, 20,000. But if they're funding like a, you know, if they're giving you 300,000, they only ask you for 20,000 now. And you're planning on being done with the property in three to six months anyway, like, you know, that might be worth it for you. Right, okay. okay. Private money is just, it's similar to hard money, but it's just not through a traditional limit. Like private money could be like your rich uncle or like, you know, your parents. Or like in my case, I used to do a lot of private money deals earlier because my mentor knew a bunch of developers and contractors and so forth. So if I ever had a deal, and most of the time, the private money deal kind of with them would be like, hey, I'll bring this deal to you, like break me off a percentage point of the profit when it's all said and done. And, and I never would put anything into it, but I would get a kickback when it was all done. Um, and then they would utilize all their money. But in the more traditional sense, they would give me the money, you know, like, you go to somebody and say, hey, I need 300000 They say, all right, give me 5% back, whatever. 
and then you take that and then y'all work out terms. Um, but in all of these cases, it's a quicker close and you just don't have to deal with the red tape that you got to go through with a traditional bank. And okay. a lot of new, you know, for a lot of new investors who've never done a, a project before, you can't really go to a bank because you don't have any history for them to, you know, approve the loan for you. So that's why a lot of times they'll turn to private money or turn to uh, hard money just for the flexibility and ease. Okay. Okay. All right. That makes sense. That makes sense. Um, so, so with, with either one of those hard money or, or, uh, or private loans, I think you might've said that the interest rate is higher on, on the hard money. Yeah. Typically. Is that correct? So is that like, what are the, is that the only downfall is that it's just a higher interest rate or the term, like are the terms similar in terms of like bank terms and, and so the, the hard money typically has a shorter term associated with it too. Okay. So they'll want, and, and they'll extend it, but then, you know, you'll end up paying more extra. See, it's in, best, in everybody's best interest to pay it off quicker so you don't pay as much interest on it. Gotcha. Um, but yeah, they'll charge you. I mean, it can be significant, but with anything, you just have to shop it around because you can find, you know, you can find more competitive rates. Because at this point, man, it's, it's funny. It's, there are a lot of private equity like lenders and hard money lenders. It's really more of them than there are deals. So, you know, if you have the opportunity for them to invest in a deal that's actually legit where they can make some money, like they'll be knocking at your door. But that's, you know, it's hard to find those deals. You got to know what I was going to say. I was going to say, yeah, yeah, yeah. So that's that's where you come in, right? Because like once, once I see it on Zillow, like it's already probably too high for me to be trying to get in as an investment property, right? And so I, I, if I'm an, if I'm a real estate investor, if I, I am a want to be real estate investor, I need to figure out how to get that property before it, it goes uh, to a realtor. Is that, is that, is that, that's right? So yeah, most, yeah, most cases, once a realtor is involved, you know, realtor's goal is to sell it for the highest price possible so they can get the biggest commission and, you know, get their client the most money and get themselves the most money commission wise. And with an investor, we just have competing agendas because we want to get it for the cheapest price. Gotcha. Yeah, nine, I'm not going to say it's impossible, but I'd say I'd give it 80%. That's just being real conservative. 80% of the time, it's going to be a lost opportunity because once it hits the market with the realtor, you know, they're not going to let it go for pennies. And, gotcha. you know, that, that's kind of an opportunity. So I tell people, yeah, you find way more success getting off-market properties. I have a lot of people reach out to me say how they have leads and deals and so forth. And yeah, it'll be a bunch of dresses off Zillow. And I'm like, yo, all of these properties are spoke, like all these realtors already have these properties under control. So right. they're not gonna let someone like us come in and, you know, underbid or anything, anything like that. So yeah, most cases I found, you know, those properties we just did, those eight properties, like none of those were on the market. So you have to kind of, get, like you said, you gotta get in before it gets to that point. Okay. Okay. Now, so, so now without, without giving us all the hacks, right. You maybe slides a couple of hacks in there if you want to, <laughs> how would I go about like finding those off market deals? Like what's, is there, is there a normal like process or like, I know there's like the driving for dollars, but like, I don't say I'm talking about, I want to find properties in Birmingham because of the ones that I saw listed. Uh -huh. Like there's gotta be other opportunities like that, that maybe haven't hit the market yet going to be a better price point, but I can't drive for dollars out there. Right. Like I can't, 
because I don't live out there, right? Like how, how am I investing out of state, but also finding off market deals? Um, I can't put up signs. I can't, you know what I mean? I can't do all that, that kind of stuff. Uh, mm-hmm. What is, what is my, my path to entry to get, to get those properties? Sure. So they have there's a couple of things you can do because now, you know, apps, they have apps for everything these days. Um, but they also have like, they have data providers that essentially can pull numbers and addresses and, emails and everything um, for pretty much any area in, in the country. So, you know, like if you were looking at Birmingham, Alabama, you know, there are websites you could go into and, and filter down, like you can say like you want 15, you know, you want owners that have owned a property for at least 15 years or more, because in most of those cases, they're going to have high equity. And when they sell the property in a high percentage of those situations, Whatever they sell for, they're going to collect it all because they won't have a mortgage or it'll be a very minimal mortgage. So they'll, in a, in a motivational sense, you'll say they're more likely or more motivated to sell versus someone who still has a full mortgage and is nowhere near close paying their thing off. Um, okay. But you can filter it down to like, to that, you can filter it down to absentee owners, non-owner occupied or out-of-state owners. You can filter it down to vacants, pre-foreclosure, like whatever parameter you want. You can filter it down and you can actually, and it's not that much, it doesn't cost that much either, but I'd say for $50, you can get a thousand numbers. And, okay. you know, you could target that exact area and you'll get a thousand names, numbers, and addresses. Um, and you can just start reaching out to them. And yeah, you literally don't have to leave, you know, your home state. And the only thing that I tell people that is helpful is, is when you're trying to do it virtually, it helps to have someone, a lot of people refer to it like boots on the ground. It helps to have someone in that area. Like that's how that Ohio deal works so well with me and, and, and uh, Minty because even though I was doing the negotiating and talking and handling the contracts and all that stuff, when it came to like going to the properties and taking videos, for instance, or taking photos, like she was able to go out and do that. And right. then she could like send them to me and I could send them to the respective buyers or what have you. So anything that needed to be done at the property, you know, she was physically there to be able to handle that. So Sometimes if you're in an area where you don't necessarily have that, it's still not impossible to find it, but right. it can be a little bit more difficult to do what you have to do. Um, but I would say it's, it's websites where you can find data providers, but then there are also apps like um, a real popular one is PropStream. And I don't know if you've ever tried that or if you're familiar with it. I've heard of it. I haven't tried it. I haven't oh, tried it. Like I'm, I'm, I'm crawling still, you know. I tell people, PropStream is expensive. It's $99 a month. So it's not something that I tell everybody to just jump out and just go get it off the gate. It's kind of one of those things where I tell people, like, if you're really serious about being an investor and you really want to stick with it, then by all means, you know, feel free to invest in it. But I tell people they offer a free seven-day trial. So I tell people, whenever you're ready and you're really serious, like, don't just download the trial just to say you got it because... PropStream literally, when that seven days ends, they try to tr- charge your car. If you, if you don't let them do it, like you can't even get in the app anymore. Like they close the access. But the reason being, because you can pull so much information in there. So anyway, I tell people, download the app, go in there, whatever area you want, like you say in Alabama, you can go in there and literally pull all those lists I just told you about um, for free. I mean, I guess it's not for free because they do charge a monthly fee, but at least under the free trial period. Right, um, right. And they'll only give you, within the app, they only give you the number, I mean, the name and address for free, which you can then 
on your own get the uh you can skip trace on your own or you can pay to have it skip trace to get the actual numbers but even if you just get the name like <clears throat> the ohio deal we did for instance we had that conversation about pulling uh downloading prop stream and, and utilizing it right away so she pulled all these lists from ohio she didn't want to call them initially because she was new to it she didn't feel comfortable you know like calling a lot of people don't feel comfortable calling for when they first get started so she sent them all mailers because she had the addresses and the names and from one of the mailers the guy responded and called her back and like that's how it started so that was all from a free seven-day prop stream trial wow. and she just pulled all the list of her area yeah that's what so I, I advise like a lot of people hit me up like i got prop stream i'm thinking about getting it i'm like it's a great tool Everything in PropStream you can find for free. It'll just take you longer. Like PropStream has it all right there. Um, but I just tell people like, don't waste that that free trial. Like, really make the most of it. And then, you know, like in her case, like by all means, it makes sense for her to get it now because she's you know utilizing it. But you can get creative, man. I know people who split the fee two ways, three ways, like however you gotta do it. Like as long as right. you have access to it, you know, do what you have to do. But I would say if you're doing something virtually. The best ways are like to either get a list because you're going to get actual legit contacts and uh and get on a prop stream okay okay all right that's i appreciate that man like i, I just I'm talking about somebody else not me right just <laughs> just a just a listener right the listener that's in you know involved in real estate or trying to get involved in real estate might have those questions and so you know uh -huh. i just want to i just want to ask <laughs> what they should do oh uh, Sure. All right. So, so, uh, one more thing I want to ask you about, like the, the flipping and reselling, right? Like that's something that I've seen tons of people doing. Um, you get the, the ads every time you hop on YouTube, somebody's telling you, you know, go to so-and-so and, and, uh, yeah. go to Ross, buy the backpack for 13, listing, <laughs> you get, yeah, you get sure. them all the time. Right. 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 So, so how does how does that work? Like I, I normally skip the ad. Like I I, I kind of know because I paid attention to enough enough guys that are doing it, and I know enough mm -hmm. guys because of, of of Twitter and and other stuff um, that do it. But but what what exactly is that, and how does that work? It's just really buying stuff from like retail stores essentially, and just reselling it for more. So. Like, like again, that sounds that sounds crazy to me. Like it was, <laughs> like, oh, you, like it's crazy. Play, some of the stuff I'm about to tell you will sound even crazy because a lot of people like, don't realize how crazy it is. And maybe it's because I shop at like just because of my 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 upbringing, right? I shop at the discount store. So when the dude is in the video, he's like in one of these YouTube videos, and I saw one today when I was I was watching. Uh, I was looking at a video of Grant Cardone earlier. Yeah. Right, and there's a dude in the video, and he's like. It literally backpacks $13.99 and he looks it up. Amazon is $40. Yep. And I'm like, who is going on Amazon and buying this backpack for $40? Like, I don't like, I, I know it's $13 at, at Ross. Like, who is, what well, is wrong? People, man, that's the thing, man. It's a lot of people in the country that either don't have Ross's where they're located. So they physically can't go get it from Ross or just people have money, man. They don't care. Man, I'm I be mind blown every time I see them like you know uh post something and I'm like man no way and then they'll post like the receipts and like people are buying it I'm like they just do it specifically and I don't you know it's marketing right so there's always some gray area in the marketing but he's like 
$10,000 of backpacks. I'm like, come on, man. What, what is happening here? What's really going on with these backpacks, man? But yeah, that's how it goes, man. Some of these big players, man, it's all about inventory. So the more you can get and quicker you can sell it, I mean, the number, the return, the ROI is crazy. But it's funny, like when the pandemic hit, like flipping, reselling, stock options, I was already doing the real estate stuff. So that wasn't anything new I was doing. Actually, like thinking about coaching and teaching people how to do it was definitely something new. But like the flipping and reselling the options were like the big things. And it's funny, like the flipping, I really just got into because I'm like back in the day, man, <laughs> back in the day, and it's funny because now everybody's like selling stuff on Alibaba. But back when I was in college, and this is before even anybody, you know, everybody's like ordering stuff like their own products, like having their own mind stuff. But I was ordering stuff on Alibaba way back in the day. So you can't even, I don't know, maybe you can't still get the stuff, but I was in like Jordans and purses, like all kinds of stuff about way back in the day. So I was like the little bootleg man. Gotcha. And so anyway, I, I've always been in the position of like finding stuff for cheaper and reselling even before I knew about like getting on eBay and starting an Amazon store. So just through the people I, I saw online, I just started out initially first with eBay. And yeah, like people say that, like, how do you just go buy stuff at like Walmart and sell it for more on eBay or, you know, sell it for more on Amazon? So I started on eBay with books and I was literally getting books from like a local bookstore for 15 cents and they were selling for like $20. And I'm like, yo, how? same with you. Like, why would people pay $20 for a book I just paid 15 cents for? Right. But for whatever reason, people were and they kept doing it. So I got to the point where I was like, I'm not so much worried about about why they're doing it. It's just that they are, and I'm gonna keep supplying their, their demand. <laughs> like, <if they laughs> did, I was supplying. So through doing that, a couple of the guys who put me on the net were like, "Man, you're leaving money on the table by not selling on Amazon." And I was like, "Man, I, I heard a bunch of stories about Amazon. Amazon is a you know it's a different animal. Even even for something you can do on your own." And Amazon, you can do your own, but you need a lot more tools and stuff to go with. So the guys kept pushing me like, yo, you need to put some books on Amazon. So, you know, it was a little more costly. Like I would find like $5 books and they would sell for like $75 on Amazon. And I'm like, yo, why is somebody paying $75 or something that costs $5? And then I just started joining more groups and, and networking with different people. And like literally, man, people are buying stuff off of Amazon and selling it on Amazon. Like you talk about like buying it from Ross or selling it. Like people yeah. are, Amazon has like, they'll drop a product and it'll be like $9 for whatever reason. It'll be $9.99 like Amazon is the seller. These guys will buy thousands of that item until Amazon literally sells out. And then it's nothing but the market sellers selling it from that point on. And they'll sell that $9.99 item for $49.99. Oh, that's wild. If Amazon never comes back to stock, that's these dudes buy products like that. I mean, there's so many apps and tools now that can kind of assist with that. And they've got so many groups out that kind of, you know, like give you leads per se. But it's literally like that, man. Like, you find stuff. Like, I, I was buying socks. Like, you're talking about Ross. I was literally buying $2 socks. Soccer socks. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. Like $20 on Amazon. That's wild. I think your sound, your sound went out. I mean, I can hear you, but it's kind of like, it's low. 
But I, I, I got you though. I heard you. Two dollar socks and they sell them on Amazon for it. Like again, it sounds crazy, right? But people are like people are making a living doing this thing. And so I'm always like, I I should do this. Like I should get into this, right? It just sounds like it's a dope thing. Uh what are what are like some of the I guess the 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 downsides to because it sounds it sounds great, right? Um, and not only do like, what are the downsides, like, what is like the process to it? Are you just going to, you just go find a deal? Like you just out at, at Ross or wherever, and you find something that sounds like it's too good to be true. Or is there like a sourcing list or is there like things that are, you know, a hot list of things that are coming out? You know what I mean? Like, are we just kind of going like schools coming back? Got to buy backpacks. Everybody's buying backpacks. I'm, you know what I mean? That kind of thing. Or like, <laughs> Like my mom used to do, uh, we used to buy summer clothes in the winter because they were cheaper winter clothes in the summer, like that kind of thing. And that, and that seasonal stuff still is true. So that, to a certain extent, I still do that. Okay. Uh, you'll learn like little things like that. You know, like the, the kind of back to school items. I mean, sadly, like one of, the, one of the biggest items during the pandemic, and I'm sure you see people post about it, is like the swimming pools. Yeah. And like everybody was flipping those. And that's really, I started around that time. And, uh, you know, being that everything was closed down, everybody was looking for a swimming pool for the summertime. And these people would just buy out all the inventory. And if you're the only one left with it, you can name your price. Um, but I'm in a bunch of, I'm in several groups, kind of like how Wealth Squad, you know, they have groups dedicated to like reselling leads. Yeah, yeah. So I'm in, in some groups like that. Um, and then they also have, like within the groups, man, you can buy software and tools and bots and stuff that'll go do all that stuff for you, man. A lot of the stuff you can really literally automate it to the point where you don't do anything but provide the funds. Oh, wow. They'll take care of everything on the back end for you, but you have to have a lot more money and capital for that. But the, the downside of it is just you have to follow the trends. And it's kind of like with the stock market. Like I bought things before that I didn't pay attention to the timeliness of how quick I needed to sell it. And some things are just really, you know, like some things are in demand for a short period of time. And like, once it's over, it's over. And like the profit margin could literally disappear to the point where you're like just selling it to make money back. So that's one good thing about reselling. The community is so big. If you network and meet people, like you can kind of find people that'll be willing to take on your inventory. You know, like just because you can't sell that, doesn't mean someone else can't. So it's hard to necessarily lose money, but there are definitely situations where you can go into it thinking you're going to make X amount of profit and just when it's all said and done, you'll just be happy to break even. Yeah, okay. So when I started, everybody was talking about Legos. I can go downstairs. I got every Lego set out. Boy, I still have it. <laughs> it's like literally thousands of dollars of Legos and it's great. But what people did tell me was, a lot of Legos don't go for those high, crazy prices until the sets retire, which can uh, take years. Yeah. So if you're starting, you don't want to have a bunch of inventory stuff. You got to wait years to sell. Secondly, the Lego prices only go for crazy prices on Amazon. So when I first started, I was only on eBay. So I was buying all these sets, trying to sell them on eBay, and I'm looking at the eBay prices like, yo, this is matching up to what y'all said I could sell it for. Right. Like, Amazon. Then Amazon, you got to get ungated. Like you can't sell every brand. So it's like a process to go about getting ungated in certain brands, which takes time. Um, so yeah, I, 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 like I said, I got all these Lego sets that will someday bring me some money, but 
Yeah, for right now. Yeah, if you have a limited, if you have a limited amount of capital to get started, you don't want to invest in things that you can't turn around quickly. So okay. like swimming pools were hot, like PS5s, Xboxes, all those new video game consoles. You know, those are things you get, you're gonna sell it within a day. Um so it's been great, man. I, I really kind of tied it to the kids, man. I really set this business up. I even have the shop uh named after my kid, my kids' first initials of my Amazon store. Like I really wanted to be something that they take over. Like I see a lot of guys, I was just rapping with a guy on Twitter earlier. Cause he said he had his son doing some doing some research and stuff. I'm like, how old is your son? Because uh, you know, my oldest is eight, and I feel like he could be doing a lot more than what he's doing now. As right. far as but it's just a business. Like as time grows and they come of age where they can actually take on more responsibility, they can just step into it and run it on their own. Yeah. And I can guide them and tell them what to buy, what have you. And it's it's not hard work. When I first started, I did a, like they call it a retail arbitrage. Is when mm-hmm. you go out and like physically go to the stores. And then online arbitrage is what you do the majority of it, like online. So when I first started, I did probably 100% retail arbitrage going out physically. Now I do 100% online. Like I don't ever go to a store to buy anything. So just that, you know, it's just something sustainable that I can pass on to them where they can make money and grow into, you know, you're right. People make hundreds of thousands. People make millions of dollars selling stuff online. Yeah, Um, yeah. You know, I don't know if they'll necessarily take it to that level, but if they can just have something they can do and make some money and use that money to do other businesses and start other things that they want to get going on, and you know, I'm, I'm more than happy to get that started for them. Right. Okay. Okay. I mean, like I said, man, it, well, one, let me back up. My kids are like Lego masters. So oh. I got to go look at your shop and see what you have. when i'm I'm telling you bro like i'll i'll send you a video of like the lego master pieces that we have in here like they the lego master season whatever just came out and they like tried to binge watch it (laughs) uh we got we got legoland season passes we went to florida we went to orlando and went to legoland out i mean i'm serious they're serious about legos right um so i gotta check out what you got I'm pretty sure we spent money on every single Lego set. So, but just in case you have something we don't have, I gotta, I gotta, uh, I gotta check out what you got um, and surprise them, surprise them with some something they they're not expecting. Um, but I was gonna say, uh, one one of the guests, I think it was on the second or third episode, uh, was was he does online arbitrage as well. Um, and I don't know how much of it he's doing now. I know he had a couple of stores that he sold, but at one point I think he was telling me he was doing like a hundred K a month. Yeah. Uh, like I was, I was blown away and he was like, you know, I was buying drones and like, I'm like, what, what, bro, what you were buying, what and making how much like, and, and then, so, so after the episode, obviously I asked him to kind of show me some stuff and he showed me some stuff and I'm like, yeah. I don't know, man. I'm gonna need. I need like a real sit. Like we gotta go. I gotta get like a real sit down. Like we gotta get in front of the computer together yeah. and figure out how to do this because he made it sound like it was so easy. And he sent me a video and he's like, "This is all you do." And I got on the same website and I'm like, "No way, man. This is not. <laughs> it's not that easy. Like, how did you find that for that price?" And like, and then he was like showing me something, and it was like, I want to say it was like forty nine bucks, and it was like a. a xbox headset or something like that right mm-hmm. and then he flipped over like flipped screen went to amazon it was like 149 or 179 or something i'm like 
who in their right mind is paying 179? Why aren't we, why aren't they Google searching it just like you just did and find people, people like, pay for convenience, man? I'm like, what the heck? But he was people like, yeah, man. People want to prime it. They want to order it and have it prime delivered and they have the Amazon backing so they feel safe about it. And you'd be surprised. I used to say the same exact stuff. Like, why are these people spending this much money? Like, I know this, but people do it all the time. Yeah. Like I buy, yeah. I buy a lot of. Um, I just saw one the other day, lady in Puerto Rico of all places. Like, I had a Barbie doll. It's not a Barbie. It's um, I don't even watch the show. It's Zombies too. Okay. Yeah, yeah. My daughter's so, into it. So it's one of the characters. Her name's Willa. Something. I don't even know her last name. But anyway, I think I paid fifteen ninety nine for it, and somebody bought it for seventy five dollars. <laughs> so look, I, I, <laughs> I bought it off Amazon and sold it on Amazon. Like that, when I first learned that, I was blown away. I was like, "You can't! I can't imagine! Like, why would Amazon even allow?" <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. But that, at the end of the day, Amazon don't care. They just there to make money. You want to buy all their stuff and then resell it, and they still get a cut off it both ways. They don't. Yeah, it all works in their favor. Yeah. I seen uh I seen uh what's the name Josh Josh Crisp I think it is he mm-hmm. was talking about uh man like a nail file or something right <laughs> like a nail file he he get it for like twenty something cent or something super cheap they sell it for two ninety nine but they're selling like uh, ten thousand units a month I'm like what who's buying these nail files like I just I just can't Everybody wrap my I think that's the problem is I can't wrap my head around it like. There's like billions of transactions on Amazon. Like I know, second. I know, I know. I got to get out of my own way with it, right? And just like, then just dive in. And there's the same thing with stocks and options. It was the same thing. Like initially, it just did not make sense to me how I was going to get 100, a contract for 100 shares for 25 cent, but I can't get one share for 25. I like how I was like, what? No, what? come on, man. Let me, hold on. I must have missed something. Let me rewind this again. Uh, somebody it's a scam somebody's scamming me <laughs> but man there's so many opportunities now that i think people were exposed to because of the pandemic there's so many opportunities to make money and there's so many people that are making quiet money like just doing like that like who would know who would know that you were the uh the nail file guy yeah exactly. somebody, like they ask you what do you do doing automation though like they yeah. have yeah. software and tools that you literally like I have a guy now that I'm talking to. I, I might end up looking more into it because you essentially just give them the money, and the store runs on it. Like they'll use the software to identify. That. Like it's tools that just scan the internet for products and just compare them to Amazon prices. And when they see one like within a certain percentage to like give you a certain amount of profit, it'll just notify you. And uh, if you set it up automatically, like it'll just buy it. And like your store will just work on the back end and you don't have to do anything, we'll just collect the money every month. See, I uh, see. <laughs> yeah, I like I like the sound of that. It's too good to be true though, right? Like and it nah, nah, I can see it's how not, it works. It's it dope. The only reason I, I see that one of the guys who told me he said his his main clientele is like professional players, like NFL players, NBA players. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Funds to, to you know to put to those type of things and ain't no rush for them. Right. But he said, man, it's like, like you said, you, they make like a hundred thousand a month. It's ridiculous. Yeah. 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 
Yeah, it's funny you said that. The, the dude I'm talking about who was in, in the episode, actually, he was an NFL player. Um, mm-hmm. He might so, have had all the extra things there. Yeah, but it, man, it's crazy. So, like, again, there's so many opportunities out there, man. I hope I hope that from this episode, guys are, are able to kind of grasp, like, there's a bunch of ways to, to and I think a lot, like, let's, let's kind of tie it all together. Like, being able to be be home and be present and I know we talked about that earlier in the podcast being able to be home and be present and still be able to get the bag right that everybody's chasing right and trying to get that wealth part of it but being able to combine that without you know not out in, in the world in the rat race from nine to five working all day and you come home and you're tired you can't you can't spend time with your kids because you only have time to eat sleep because you got to get back up and start all over again mm-hmm. there's ways to to make a very good living and and be present and available mm-hmm. in your family um and we've mentioned several of them today right and, and uh hopefully you know people can can kind of grasp that and, and understand that it's it is definitely very possible to to do the two things at the same time right i think there was the societal kind of idea that like we mentioned, you talked a little bit about different cultures have a different thought process on men's roles and women's roles and, and things like that. But but it's very possible to to be home and and be the the primary caregiver, if you will, and and still provide for the family like you would if you were going out, you know, uh, you know, hunting and gathering, so to speak. Right. It just takes discipline, man. You know you. A lot of people talk about that waking up two hours early kind of thing. And I know a lot of people might just think people are saying that to be funny, but I mean, even stuff like that, I mean, that helps tremendously. Just the one thing when you have kids, like <laughs> your time kind of goes away. You know what I'm saying? Like it's their time, family time, and then whatever's left, you get, you get the crumbs is left over. So right, right. you got to make the most of the time you do have and, yeah, man. If if you really if you really are disciplined and, and hold yourself accountable, you know what I'm saying, it'll all work out. But yeah, you, you kind of like I know a lot of um a lot of guys, and I don't want to say they go into it intentionally being selfish, but you kind of you know you got to be more selfless at, at the point when you start having children, man. Right. Or, Right, it's just gonna be a struggle for you, especially if you want to be proud. Like, I'm, you know, every every fighter, it's not only men, but some parents don't necessarily have the same desire to be as involved with their kids. So, to each his own. But you know, I think you and I are more in the same wavelength. Like, if you want to actually be present and, and still make money, it's definitely possible. Yeah, um, you just gotta, you know, you gotta use your time wisely and invest. I, I think. The pandemic helped wake a lot of people up, man. Just being home and, and having an opportunity to actually see the stuff firsthand. You know what I'm saying? Like, if I, right. I can't say if, if I went home, I would have never started reselling. I would have never started trading options. I would have still been investing. I definitely wouldn't have been teaching people how to invest. So, you know, those opportunities just opened up. And I, you know, it ain't like my kids went anywhere. They were all sitting right here with me the whole time. So, right, right. I just had to buckle down. A lot of late night. I'm more of a night owl, so for me, I was more staying up later as opposed to waking up early. But 
my son was still waking up six o'clock in the morning, seven o'clock in the morning every morning, you know, my youngest. So regardless of how late I stayed up, I still had to be ready in the morning. So right, right. Yeah. And kids will will, will uh, mature you. <laughs> you know, they'll, they'll, they'll get you a gear real fast right right yeah i agree i agree all right so look i don't want to i don't want to hold you like forever because i think we could talk forever man i think there's so much going on like we we might have to get a, another episode in somewhere um but i do want to ask you you two questions these are kind of like the the closing questions that uh that I typically ask on the episode um and you've kind of given given it already but i just want to want to just kind of nail it down a little bit um so what what does fatherhood mean to you hmm that's a good question huh i think that's the first time i've ever asked that question what does fatherhood mean to, well for me i mean in particular i'd have to say i was fortunate to be able to have a good role model in my father you know, like being around with my brother and I. Um, so it's, for me, it just means, be, you know, like I know it might sound corny, but it just means being present for my my, my children, like being around, um, you know, taking care of them, uh, being a provider for them, um, you know, being a teacher to them. I mean, it's, it really means just a lot of responsibility that, that I'm, I'm welcome to. Um, but I don't know, man. It's, it's a lot of feelings I can kind of describe from fatherhood. But it's just, it's a, for me, I, I take a, just a lot of pride in, in just actually being there to raise my kids. Like we both said, like we took time to actually be like the first, you know, like the first in line with, with our kids. Right, right. And I don't feel like, I ain't gonna say I feel like, I mean, it's just a, it's a known thing. Like a lot of men don't go through that. Right. Uh, I think for me, and I, you know, I even told you I had friends of mine. They're like, "You crazy? No, what's wrong with you?" Um, <laughs> you know, like even joking me to a certain extent. And you know, it, it never, you know, it won't like it, it was all playful, but you know, it never deterred me or like made me think twice about it. I actually right. look forward to it. And, I, and when it's all said and done, like I said, the experience is great for me. So, you know, just that responsibility, knowing I got those three guys looking up to me, counting on me, depending on me. Um, for me, like I say, it just like kind of lit a fire. I was already real entrepreneur and doing a bunch of things on my own, but it really just kind of kicked it into a second gear for me. Where now, like I really got to make some things happen, um, and more lead by example too. Like I don't want to, I don't want to be the the parent is like barking a bunch of orders and then I go do the complete opposite of what I'm telling these guys. So, you know, I think I, I take that responsibility seriously. So. It's great, man. I, I think fatherhood is a lot of things. It's a lot of fun. I say that. <laughs> you have dull moment, no dull or quiet moments. Yeah, yeah. We need that sometimes, right? We need that excitement, and that that life. Like it keeps us young, right? It keeps us alive. So it, it's definitely necessary. Mm -hmm. Um. Okay. All right. So so here's here's my my final question. It's a two part one. Um. Mm -hmm. I don't know what the traffic situation is like out there. I'm sure you've heard traffic out here is crazy in oh. LA, right? Like it's insane, right? Um, so this is this is the billboard question, right? The 405 is one of the craziest freeways in, in Southern California. Um, and so there's billboards along the 405. If you go to LA and 
like downtown Hollywood, there's billboards everywhere, like just next to a house or like, you know, it's billboards everywhere, right? <laughs> so if you if you were to put up a billboard, 405, the traffic is stopped, but only cars on the road, everybody in the car is a dad. It's just dads on the road. What would, what would that billboard say? What is your message to dads? What do you want them to know? Damn, you have some tough questions right now. <laughs> um, what would I want dads to know? Because I have a couple of uh, I'm trying to think of something like I actually told one of my little nephews or something, a cousin was about to have a kid. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know. I told people. I, <laughs> I remember when I first had my uh, my first son. I, I guess I would tell him like my dad told me. He told me when I first had my first son. He uh, or when I was out, he said he took us like when he was leaving to go to the hospital or whatever to have a kid. Mm-hmm. He took a step out to the house and like stopped and looked back in the house, and he said like he said to himself like things were gonna never be the same like as far as. You know, when it's just you and your wife, or you and somebody other, so you got a kid. Um, so he was just like, you know, you say that to yourself in your mind as you leave the house, and then, like when you first see, like I don't know, when you first see your first child, it's like, a, I don't know, it's almost like a surreal moment in a sense. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, and then you just kind of like, wow, like I, you know, like we created this kid, <laughs> like, right? Kind of so. Um, I just remember my dad told me that and just how true it proved to be. Um, because everything does change once you have your first kid. So I, I just tell dad, just buckle up and enjoy your ride. Yeah. It's gonna be fun, it's gonna be a lot of bumps, but at the end of the day, you just gotta you gotta be present and enjoy it, man. Like I, I even struggle with that from time to time now. You know, my wife is the side or whatever, because like I said, it does get challenging to frustrate, but I can tell what just my kids and the ages they are now, man. I can remember when they were all just born. You know, my dude's eight now, so you gotta enjoy it while you can, because soon they gonna get to the point where we can all remember where you like you too cool for your, you know you were just saying with your sister earlier, like yeah, yeah, you're yeah. too cool for your parents. <laughs> right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. All right. So here's here's the second part to that question, right? Again, uh-huh. same same freeway, same billboard, but this time there's only three cars on the road, right? Let's say 16 years down the line three cars on the road and it's just your sons. What do you want that billboard to say? <laughs> That's not a tough one. But just my sons? Yep, yep, it's a message to them. Man. Whew. Where would I want my message to them to be? In 16 years? Well, it could be now, right? I'm just saying your youngest oh. ain't he can't drive right now. Oh, yeah, so he, yeah. I'm trying to give him a car. I'm trying to put him in, trying to put him in a whip right now. <laughs> um, you know, I guess it might sound kind of cliche because we are, you know, everybody's talking about financial independence and all that kind of stuff. But I mean, I I was just talking to my children, you know, I was talking to my boys about that in the car earlier. Like I make it a point to, you know, like my kids see me going to the post office a lot. They see me going to UPS a lot. They see me going to the bank a lot. So my middle son earlier today made a comment like, "You going to the bank to get some money?" 
I'm like, yo, you, do you think everybody can just go to the bank and just take out money free, like at will? Or do you think, you know, like, how do you think money gets in the bank for people to even be able to go get it? So then, you know, he started talking about, oh, where well, you sell stuff. And so we just, you know, started having a conversation about business. And, you know, my oldest son starts being like, well, you know, is that why people work jobs? And we just started going through all these conversations about all that kind of stuff. And, you know, for me, I want them to, to not only understand it, but like to believe that, you know, like I said, I, I know it might sound cliche, but like they can do whatever they want to do. Um, and, you know, it, I, I think I'm hoping to be able to show them through the things that I'm doing that I'll, I'll leave to them. You know, like that's one of the real reasons I get, I'm, I'm into real estate. Cause all these properties that I have, like I'm not, I'm not gonna live forever. Like when I'm gone, like I'm, I'm leaving them to them. So, you know, I just want them to know like whatever it is you want to do, you know, like if they're interested in a certain, you know, like having a job and a certain bad thing or something that you really enjoy doing. Right. But I just, I try to just reinforce to them, like find things you really like to do and, you know, you're young, so you can work in the direction of doing that for a living, whatever it is. And I just feel like a lot of us, when we, you know, my parents were both in, in the educational field, they're both teachers. So I, I had a lot of that, um, you know, I like I, I didn't think I could do it, but, you know, like they weren't telling me I could do it, but the actual belief, you know, my, you know, the one thing that my parents were like telling me, like, oh, you can invest the stocks, and they were like showing me like their million dollar portfolio at the same time. But right to, to tell me I can invest the stocks, well, have you ever bought a stock? No. You know, well, all right, <laughs> <laughs> right. I'm gonna really make anything happen. But you know, for me, like I touch, like I, I have my, you know, we talked about your, your daughters. I have my kids buying like Nintendo stock and stuff like that. So I just try to keep them informed as much as possible about everything going on. So that when the time comes where they're going to be out making money on their own and they know they can do whatever it is they want and they won't feel like, you know, they have to do something, you know, just to put food on the table. And I think it, like you said, the next generation is coming up. I feel like, because I, I work with some real young people just getting into real estate, which is super impressive because I know in my teens, I won't think about real estate. Right. But, you know, I, I think the a lot of these kids are starting all kinds of things at such a young age, man. And I, I think that belief is kind of, you know, you got YouTube millionaire, like people can just do whatever with social media. It's just like, right, right, right. It's just allowed so many different opportunities. So, you know, I think the, the younger generation is going to be so far ahead of, you know, where we were able to get. And that's encouraging, man. I, I really like that. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I like that, man, to believe in himself and because uh, they could do anything like I mean, and really, literally, honestly, like all of the stuff that we've seen, even in our lifetime, like that, like our parents didn't know that this stuff was possible. Like, you know what I mean? Like 15 years ago, uh, maybe longer than that, 20 years ago. Right. Like the, the people wasn't you wasn't texting. You weren't like, you know what I mean? You, you weren't able to do all these things that you're able to do. You weren't having video calls. That was like on Back to the Future. That wasn't a real yeah. thing. Yeah, you like know? this call right here. Yeah, we would never done this 20 years ago. Right. Like this is just doesn't happen. And so all of the things that happen in our lifetime is just further proof that you can do anything. You just have to figure it out and be willing to work for it. Yeah. Yeah. yeah I like I that, man. A lot of people, I was myself, like when I was young, because my parents were had the education background, I thought, go to elementary, go to middle, go to high school, go to college, 
get a job and retire. And like, yeah. I, and I really felt like even when I graduated college, I thought I was going to get a job, making a lot of money, and I was going to be set. And I didn't think I was going to really have to do anything else. And then when I got my first salary, I was like, wait, this, ain't, this is cool, <laughs> but this ain't really what I thought I was going to get. Right. And then I quickly realized, like, oh, people making money. Like I said, those guys are my job. People making money in a, in a, in a massive wealth, not just from that one thing, you know, right. not just from that, that one job. They're taking right. that money and investing and doing other things. So, you know, I quickly uh, was intrigued by that and just started seeking out the knowledge. So, yeah, man, I think it's best to just share it, pass it on. That's kind of why I started teaching real estate stuff, just so other people know it's possible. I, I wish when I started, I, I had some good mentors, but when I was making my calls, I didn't have nobody willing to call with me or to right. do it on a three-way call with me or, like, give me a guide on how to do it. A lot of I just had to learn on my own. Right, right. Yeah, yeah, and that's dope, man. And so, oh, so here's here's what I want to do next before we before we get out of here. Uh, if, if people wanted to find you, where could where they could find you uh, on social media or or wherever? Where where would they uh, where would they be looking? Oh, well, I'm on. I mean, I'm on Twitter. I'm at, uh, at call Jamal Aria on Twitter. On Instagram is j dot f. I think it's j dot f whitehead. Or might it might be j dot f dot whitehead. Okay. Okay. Um, and then I've got the, I mean, you can hit me up on my website. Um, it's rei-hacks.com. Um, but I mean, I'm pretty, I'm pretty active on both social media platforms. Okay. So, okay. You can hit me up on there. Um, okay. You know, you can get in touch with me. Perfect. Perfect. I'll make sure to, uh, to put it in the, in the show notes. Um, and uh, I'll put the links to, to everything in there as well. So, Thank you, man. I really appreciate you being on here. We went long, man. It was so much stuff to talk about. Like, I, I, what time is it? It's oh, wow. almost, yeah, we almost two hours in, man. We really got into it. Um, so yeah, I totally, I totally appreciate it, man. I know how valuable time is, and uh, I know you got your your kids and your family, and it's later there for you. And so I know that uh, this is super important, uh, and I appreciate you taking the time out to do this for me, man. I really appreciate it. Oh, no problem. I appreciate the invite, man. Thanks for having me. I'm looking forward to seeing how it comes out.